Hello and welcome to the Geek Guild, a podcast where we talk about all things geek. My name is Alexis and today we are starting a new mini-series. In this mini-series we are going to be talking about gaming systems. We'll explore the history, the successes, the failures, the games, and what's next. So let's talk geek. Today I'll be discussing my personal favorite, the Nintendo 64. Before I dive into the history of the Nintendo 64, I want to comment on what exactly makes this particular system my favorite. It's not the games, or the graphics, or the specs, but for me it's the nostalgia that comes with it. When I think about the 64, I go back to my childhood. Fridays would be game night with my dad. After school, I would anxiously wait for him to get home and the family to finish dinner. He would set up the system in the living room pop some popcorn and get us some ice-cold glasses of soda. We would play one of the four games we rotated through. Super Mario 64, Wave Race, Pokemon Puzzle League, and Pokemon Snap. My favorite was Pokemon Puzzle League. He would set it up so we could battle each other and I remember trying so hard to match the tiles and keep up with the speed of the game. I remember the feeling of accomplishment, the just the pure joy that I would feel when I would occasionally win. As a parent now, I know he would let me win on purpose so that I could experience that feeling of accomplishment and to boost my confidence. We would race the jet skis on Wave Race, and he would show me how to make the characters perform tricks. We would travel to diverse lands on Pokemon Snap, snapping pictures of the Pokemon, and I would watch him play Mario 64 because I couldn't quite grasp the gameplay yet. It was our way of bonding, and it was special. My siblings would be put to bed, and my mom would either watch TV in the other room or curl up on the couch to read a book, but that time was our time. It was our time to play video games. It was the first real introduction I had to video games. When I play the 64 now, I can't help but take a moment to appreciate that time I had as a kid. The memories that my dad was making with me, and the kind of memories I hope my children write about fondly one day. I asked my parents while writing this episode why they picked the Nintendo 64 over the other consoles that were available at the time, and they said because I was just starting to get into Pokemon and Nintendo was the only way to play any Pokemon games. Which just makes my fondness for the system even greater. Enough of the trip down memory lane. Let's dive into the history of the Nintendo 64. Before the 64, the Nintendo company had both the NES that was released in 1985 and the Super Nintendo that was released in 1991. Both relatively popular among the expanding new world of video game consoles. Sharing the console battlefield with Nintendo was Sega and their 1988 release of the Sega Genesis. Sony came into battle with the PlayStation in 1994. Sega and Sony were quickly dominating the console playing field with the release of the Sega Saturn, also in 1994, and newcomer Sony's growing popularity. Although Sega and Sony were quickly overtaking Nintendo, there was seemingly no hurry to combat the game sales on Nintendo's part. 
However, the development for the Nintendo 64 began in 1993 with a partnership with Silicon Graphics, a high-performing computing manufacturer and a leading force in 3D graphics computers. The project was given the codename Project Reality. They created a test model and arcade platform that was called the Ultra 64. The 64 was named after the 64-bit CPU that aided in the console's 3D abilities. It was unveiled to the public in November of 1995, with its initial release scheduled for Christmas of that year. But it kept getting pushed back, with Nintendo claiming they needed the software to mature, as well as for the completion of the launch games that accompanied the release. These games were Pilot Wings, Super Mario 64, and Saikyu Habushoki, the last of which being exclusive to Japan. The console officially released with a price tag of $199.99, released in Japan on June 23, 1996, and in the U.S. on September 26, 1996. Japan sold through the initial 300,000 units on the first day of release. Some of those units were imported and sold for $700 in the U.S. before its release. With the excitement and large demand expected of the U.S. release, the console was also released in convenience stores to help prevent chaos in the department stores. The 64 took the world by storm selling over 32.93 million units worldwide. With marketing claims that the console was more powerful than that used for the first moon landing. It was the first console to feature 3D graphics. The controller design was actually kept secret until the release. When the pictures were released of the console, they only included the console and not the controller. That's because of the con the controller's unique design. It had a trident shape, or some called it a batarang shape, and an unusual layout of the A, B, and C buttons. It was also the first controller to feature an analog stick. The designers wanted a controller that allowed the player to easily play a 2D game or a 3D game, and the controller was essentially two controllers in one to allow for this. Many were confused by the three different handles, but depending on the game you're playing determines how you hold it, which allows the easiest access for the buttons that you would need. Two controllers and one. The original color of the system featured a black body with gray highlights and a gray controller. Shortly following, Nintendo released six new console colors. Smoke, Ice, Watermelon, Jungle Green, Grape, and fire. It was dubbed the Fantastic series. The games for the system costed $80 and there were a total of 393 games released for the console, with 85 of those only being sold in Japan. They were Japanese exclusives, such as SimCity 64, a Sims game introducing the pedestrian level free roaming and the day-night cycle, things that we did not get in the U.S. until SimCity 4. In Hiroshi Yamachi's 1995 speech in the Nintendo 64 
unveil, he stated that Nintendo would restrict the number of games produced so that developers could focus on developing games to a higher standard, instead of trying to outdo their competitors with sheer quantity. To compare, PlayStation had about 1,100 games, and the Sega Saturn had 600 games. Super Mario 64 is the best-selling console game of the generation, with over 11 million sold. To compare, PlayStation had around 1,100 games, and the Sega Saturn had 600 games. Super Mario 64 is the best-selling console game of the generation, with over 11 million sold outselling both PlayStation's Gran Turismo, which sold about 1,085 million, and Final Fantasy VII at 9.72 million. Let's talk a little bit about Super Mario 64. Mario is one of the most recognized video game characters in the gaming world, making his first appearance in the arcade game Donkey Kong in 1981. He was originally known as Jumpman, and he got the name Mario in 1983 with the arcade game Mario Brothers. With the release of the Nintendo Entertainment System NES game, Super Mario Brothers, the jumping mechanic was consolidated as a central part of the video game industry. Super Mario Bros. introduced the possibility to run to increase jump length, while also giving the ability to control the height of the jump. This jump design became a central feature in future 2D Mario games. When creating the 3D game, they used the basic mechanics but had to modify it to allow players to reach the expansive levels of the new world. The analog stick designed on the controller aided in this and opened a whole new gameplay ability, allowing for moves such as the lateral jump. The games were also highly responsive with no movement delay, which allowed players new to video games to easily learn to control the character. On top of pioneering 3D jump mechanics, Super Mario 64 is the grandfather of open world games. They were able to implement free movement while featuring a fully immersed 3D built world. The 18 main levels and 6 mini hidden levels were designed to allow players to move at their own pace with a non-linear structure, encouraging exploration of the levels with many hidden secrets to be uncovered. The game is also the creator of the Collectathon, or Collecting Marathon, a platformer with dozens of collectible items spread over levels such as the life mushrooms, coins, teleporters, and the iconic stars. This aspect of gameplay influenced games to adopt the idea, such as the game Banjo-Kazooie in 1998. The combinations of new jump mechanics, unique and engaging levels, and open play 3D world and the addition of Collectathon caused Super Mario 64 to become one of the most iconic games of all time. The ideas, the mechanics, they're still being reused over 25 years later. Most people know the game, and it's even been redone to different platforms. The 64 outsold Sony and Sega and remains one of the most recognized video game consoles to date. It is the last major console to use cartridges. In Japan, it even had a disk drive add-on called the 64DD, and an online service where players could download demos and compete with other players online. 
but that was only kept in Japan and never brought to the U.S. It was discontinued in 2002 after its successor, the GameCube, was released in 2001. It was a powerhouse during its prime and remains to be one of the greatest console achievements. I love how video games have advanced over the years, but they will never be able to bring quite the same feeling or excitement as the earlier video games, the pioneers. That concludes the first episode of the mini gaming series. I hope you enjoyed learning a bit about the Nintendo 64. In the next episode, we'll talk about one of its rivals, the Sega Saturn. I hope you have a good day, and I hope you keep it geeky. You can email us questions or suggestions at geekguildquestions at gmail.com, or you can check out our brand new Facebook page, The Geek Guild. Thanks, guys.